Hello friends, we are back for the next chapters of Moxie and Roses. As I sit around the cozy campfire, we're going to dive into chapter nine, Firepower. Diego continued on his work, intent on finishing before Moxie got back. He wondered exactly what she was doing in town and thought to call her, but then decided against it. He still wasn't sure about their relationship, and he didn't want her thinking he was checking up on her. As Moxie drove down the dirt road outside the ranch, she was perfectly clear on her next steps. She needed some time, and that was her first priority. She had already texted Diamond, who was going to meet her for lunch. In the meantime, she headed home for a shower and then on to find some clothes that might be suitable for ranch life. She was going to ask Pamela tonight if she could stay longer. She could investigate the woods at night and do chores during the day to pay for her keep. It was a win-win situation and she was certain that Pamela would agree. She even had her horse handling skills and could help in the stables with the riders. Yes, she had it all figured out in her mind, or so she thought. What she wasn't sure of still was Diamond and how she would react at losing one of her star pupils for a few weeks and during the busy season at that. Winter always brought folks inside and lustful men with cash to spend always headed for the pink lady. Moxie made a quick visit to her apartment to shower and pack a small bag, already confident in her plan. She headed to the local western wear store and paid for several outfits that might make her fit in on the ranch. Thunder Rose had a reputation to uphold and she wanted to look the part. She chose a cool yellow Stetson, a pair of Justin boots, several pairs of designer jeans, and button-down shirts, and after paying a small fortune, went to change before meeting Diamond. She wanted to show Diamond she was serious about this vacation and had already set the ball rolling. Diamond Martinez was no fool, and usually when a girl wanted to meet with her, they were either quitting, pregnant, or getting married. She waited patiently for Moxie at the Emerald Club, wondering what her best girl had to tell her. She ordered a Mai Tai and sat nursing it slowly with her eye on the door. It wasn't long before she saw Moxie, and she wasn't exactly sure what she was looking at when she eyed the denim and the huge Stetson. Moxie was visibly cool and wasn't sure how to handle herself with Diamond, but she always knew for her that the direct approach was best. Diamond, it's so good to see you, she said, pecking the older dame on the cheek and embracing her lightly. Moxie, my girl, you look fabulous. What's the occasion? Each woman was inwardly sizing the other up and down and like a chess game contemplating her next move. Sit down, Moxie. Let's order, and then you can tell me all about it, Diamond said, making the first move. She wanted to feel at ease, and she knew that Moxie did, too. The waiter, who couldn't wait to approach the table now that Moxie was there, sauntered up with a menu. Hello, ladies. How are we today? He said in his most professional Texas accent. We have the sea bass, or the linguini, on special today. My name is Frederico, and I'll be serving you today. I'll have a bluebell, Moxie said. It was her favorite drink made with tequila and bluebell peppermint bark ice cream over ice. It packed a punch and made her feel festive at the same time. She didn't know why she felt compelled to have a drink so early in the day, but she was letting her motion guide her and she wanted to stave off her inner nervous critic 
the one that said, Moxie, uh, maybe you can't do this. So you don't have what it takes, Moxie. Look at all the mistakes you've made in the past. She had to reach hard sometimes to shut that little Latina girl up. A bluebell it is, and are you both ready to order? Frederico said, standing behind Moxie, knowing that would get him the best glimpse of her abundant cleavage. Give us a minute, please, Diamond said to him. I'll be right back with that drink, miss, Frederico said, scurrying away. Moxie, I appreciate you calling me like this, but please, let's get to the point. We both have a lot to do, and I don't want our time to be wasted on silliness. You've called me here for a reason, so let's hear it, she said, getting impatient for some reason. Maybe it was Frederico and his clear attempt to ignore her and focus on Moxie. She was still a beautiful woman, but always took side stage to her girls. It usually didn't bother her, but for some reason today, she wanted to be wanted. Moxie summoned up her courage from deep within and stammered her first words. Uh, You know I appreciate everything you've done for me, Diamond, she said, starting to get her momentum up now. I just feel like I've been working a lot, and I haven't had any time off for quite a while, years to be more exact. There, that was it. She should have felt it coming, Diamond thought. She wants to quit, but that will never happen. Once you became one of Diamond's girls, you didn't back out unless there were extenuating life circumstances. I I need to take a few weeks off and get my head together. There's been a lot going on with me lately, in case you haven't noticed, she said, looking her mentor straight in the eye. (laughs) Is that it? A few weeks? Diamond laughed out loud with relief. Oh, my dear, I thought you were quitting. Is that all you need? She was relieved now, thinking that this wouldn't be so bad after all. What did you think, Moxie asked, feeling into the situation. Just then, Frederico appeared with her bluebell and set it down with a flourish. I don't think we'll be ordering any food, Diamond said, handing him her credit card wrapped in her business card. You look like a viral young man, and the pink lady's always aiming to please, she said, eyeing him with a hunger she hadn't felt in a while. I'll give you a special deal. Just ask for me, love, she said, almost purring. Frederico, who was floundering a little now, backed away and went to go run the card. When he was out of sight, he opened up the business card and felt a heat in his lower body as he read it to himself. Moxie, I want you to feel like you can ask Diamond for anything. Don't be afraid to speak with me, she said, reaching out to touch Moxie's hand. Moxie scooped up a spoonful of her drink and slurped it down, savoring the sweet peppermint flavor mixed with the alcohol. She let Diamond hold onto her hand as she looked deeply into her eyes. You know, you can always come to me, love, Diamond said, slowly pulling her hand away. I don't bite. Moxie looked her squarely in the eye, recalling the last time someone had left without saying a word to Diamond. She didn't like to feel intimidated by someone, but in this case she did, and she knew that one of her goals was to get away from this woman and get away with a clean slate and unscathed. No one knew about this secret world that she had gotten herself into. She knew that even Diego was sheltered from it, or else he would never have taken a job there, even if Diamond was his aunt. You see, Moxie knew that Diamond's biggest fears were being alone and being penniless, 
and the pink lady helped her live a very comfortable life, and nothing or no one was going to threaten that. Take as much time as you need, Diamond said, with a scratching in her throat, like it almost pained her to say it. We'll still be here, honey. You know where to find me, and I always know where to find you. What in the heck did she mean by that, Moxie thought. She wasn't going to let it intimidate her, though. She smiled sweetly with her best innocent face. Thank you, Diamond. That means a lot. I just need some me time, and I promise I'll be back in a few weeks. I've just got some stuff going on, and I need to sort it out. Well, that's what girlfriends are for, Diamond said, looking up to see Frederica returning with her bill. She slowly pulled the card from his hands and signed the bill by first licking the end of the pen and signing her name with one complete gesture. I'll be seeing you soon, she said to Frederico, slipping a hundred into his hand. Moxie, stay in touch. Keep me updated on what's going on with you, honey. I don't want to have to come looking for you, she said, smiling as she rose from the table. She leaned into Moxie and gave her a soft kiss on the cheek, and then pulling her fox fur around her, she slithered out of the club. It took all Moxie had not to drop down onto the table with relief. She knew that Diamond could be hard, and she felt like she got off pretty easy, and her request had been granted. She was in heaven. Frederico hadn't moved this entire time, and he looked down at Moxie, still holding the hundred-dollar bill in his hand. Who is that woman, he asked Moxie. She could either be your most fantastic fantasy or your worst nightmare, Moxie said, standing up and taking a long drink. You decide, she said, picking up her bag and leaving the Emerald Club behind. She was elated as she slipped behind the wheel of the Mustang. With her bags already packed, she made her way out of downtown Dallas and back towards Thunder Rose, high on the hopes that her plan would finally work and she would soon be free of Diamond Martinez. Back at Thunder Rose, Pamela and Edgar had met up at the kitchen counter again as they prepared the menu for the evening. Edgar liked everyone to eat very lightly before the ritual, but afterward he liked to have a feast of favorite foods. Marguerite eyed the list and figured she already had everything needed in the pantry, so there was no need to leave and come back, and that was good news. It was pretty much early afternoon now, and Edgar usually started the fire ritual at sundown, so she had about four hours to prepare the meal and get out of there, she thought, starting to move more quickly now. Out in the stables, Amber watched Diego shoveling and pushing the wheelbarrow around. She wanted him so badly it hurt, and yet there was nothing she could do about it. He had clearly let her know that she was too young for him, but what did he know? She could act like an older girl, and she was still determined to prove it, even at the expense of her own dignity. She unbuttoned her top a little further, and starting to sweat now with all the shoveling and moving about, she thought that she looked like a goddess. She always felt so good when she was warm, and she especially liked to sit in the sun and absorb its firepower like a warm yellow disc it warmed her body and her heart. She was young, that's right, but she wasn't too young to prove to anyone that she was a power to be reckoned with. She decided that her next ploy was jealousy. She would make Diego so jealous that he would be begging to have her. Just then, Luke, one of the full-time hands, moved into the stables and saw Amber looking gorgeous in the sunlight. He had always secretly liked her, but he knew that a stable hand had no chance with the owner's daughter. But just the same, it didn't hurt to look and admire her from afar. Amber felt his eyes on her and realized at that moment that he was the perfect answer to her plan. 
Now, at this moment, she had no real feelings for Luke. He was a nice guy and very handsome, but she had never thought of him as anything beyond that. But in the sunlight, streaming into the stable, their eyes met for a moment, and a plan formed in Amber's mind. And she knew it was such an amazing plan that soon she would have Diego eating out of her hand and begging to take her into his arms. Hi, Luke. Listen, I need your help with something, she said, looking at him sweetly. Sure, Miss Amber, what can I do for you? Luke said, hoping he didn't sound too eager. Maybe this was his chance to get her alone for a moment, he thought. There was always someone around when he wanted to talk to her. Amber looked around, trying to find Diego, and when she saw him a few stalls away from her, she set her plan into action. Luke, can I see you over here? I have something I wanted you to see, she said, putting her muck shovel down and going into the stall next to where Diego was. Well, Luke didn't waste any time in moving towards Amber. He entered the stall where she was at and found her waiting behind the door. He had no idea what was happening and innocently went further inside. What is it, miss? He said, still trying to sound polite with a boyish Texas charm. Amber moved closer to him and stood directly in front of him. Luke, you know something? She said a little breathlessly, knowing that guys always fell for that. She spoke loud enough that she was sure Diego could hear her in the next stall. Amber was so close now that Luke could smell her perfume and see the dampness on her chest. He started to breathe a little heavier now, not really sure what was happening, but realizing this is how it always started in the movies. Amber put her hand out and took Luke's hand in hers, not sure if she was doing anything right or not. She pulled his hand up and placed it on her chest. Luke didn't know whether to run away or stay and pull her down into the hay. Feel my heart, Luke. It's beating so hard. And I think it's because of you, she said, as her bottom lip pouted. You know I've always liked you, she said, moving in so close to him now that their hips were almost touching. Well, he was hot now in more ways than one, and he still wasn't sure what to do next. Kiss me, she said, moving into him as he took her in his arms, silently congratulating himself that his wildest dreams were coming true. She slid into him as his strong arms embraced her. His mouth moved on to hers, and she was truly breathless now, needing to come up for air. They parted lips, but his hands were still around her waist. She was lost and still. She didn't know what had come over her. She was like jello now, and all thoughts of Diego had temporarily vanished. Well, that was unexpected, he said, pushing her hair back from her face and smiling at her with soft blue eyes. Then Amber's senses suddenly came back, and the kiss and the longing disappeared as she remembered Diego. I'll be right back, she said, running out of the stall, to look next door, but there was no Diego to be seen. Only Luke, standing in the stall door, looking at her in confusion. What's going on here, Amber? he said, suddenly thinking this was too good to be true. Nothing, Luke. Go away and leave me alone, she said, pushing past him and out of the stables, leaving him standing there in disbelief. Chapter 10, Thunder in the Night As the evening came suddenly upon them, all had been prepared for the ritual. Marguerite was long gone, knowing that the darkness there was not to her liking. Before she left, she had prepared a feast of treats that everyone was sure to enjoy. Edgar had taken over the tent area in the pasture for his own camp and had started a large fire in the fire pit up closer to the house. Luke and Billy had been asked to stay for the evening festivities and had graciously accepted Amber was in her room getting ready, but not sure exactly how she was supposed to appear at this event. 
Pamela had decided on a leather dress that showed her curves and high-top moccasins, her hair up in a coiffed bun and long amber earrings that touched her shoulders. Edgar had chosen the headdress that had been given to him by his grandfather, and he had the drum all blessed and prepared for Amber. Diego was hoping that Moxie would get back in time, but he didn't have to wonder long as her Mustang pulled into the long drive and down to the parking area. He was stoked now. He hadn't really known what had happened with her while she was gone, but he figured she would tell him in her own time. <coughs> Moxie got out of her car and made her way inside the main house. There was no time to speak with Pamela now, but she didn't have to wait long as the older woman came down the winding front staircase just as Moxie was heading toward the outside area and the fire pit. Hi, Pamela. I was hoping I could speak with you later about something. She was really trying to get her attention now. Of course, dear. Let's talk after the ritual. Marguerite has made a huge feast for us. Great. Thank you, ma'am, Moxie said politely. Edgar had been waiting at the fire pit, putting his sacred tools around the fire and looking out towards the parking area every few minutes, hoping Moxie would make it back for the ritual. She was, he thought, to be the star of the show, so to speak, although he wasn't exactly sure how yet. He breathed a sigh of relief when he saw her coming down the path with Pamela. He rang a big bell, letting everyone know that the ritual was about to begin. Diego saw Moxie coming and almost ran up to her, but caught himself so he wouldn't look too excited in front of everyone. Hey, girl, I was getting worried about you, he said. Everything go okay in town, he said, touching her hand. Just as I had planned, she said, smiling. Let's talk after this ritual. I have some things to tell you. He wasn't sure if he liked the sound of that or not, but decided by her look that she was okay. Everyone was gathering around the fire, trying to find their place. Moxie with Diego next to her. Pamela in front of Edgar, and Luke and Billy off to the other side. When Amber arrived, the only seat left was next to Luke, and he didn't know what to make of it. Amber gave him a cursory glance, and then looked over at Diego and Moxie with disdain. Hi, Amber, Luke said, holding out his hand to help her sit down in the low chair. Luke, was all she could say, suddenly recalling his arms wrapped around her and feeling a warmth spread over her body. Thank you, everyone, for coming, Edgar said, starting the ritual. We don't do these very often, but I've been called by my spirit guides to perform this ritual tonight. Amber, I actually need you over here, he said, pointing to the drum, sitting in a holder next to him. I will tell you what I want you to do in a moment. Moxie, thank you for being here. I, I don't know how yet, but you're an integral part of these rituals. Don't be scared. It's, it's nothing bad, he said, noticing her tense up at the announcement. First, I'm going to bless and clear everyone with smoke, he said, lighting a sage bundle and pulling his eagle feather from his medicine bag. Just receive the medicine, he said, moving around each person with the sage and fanning the smoke with the feather. Pamela and Amber were used to these events, but the rest of the group was somewhat perplexed as to what he was doing. Edgar tried to explain as he went, but he knew that soon he would be overtaken by spirit and unable to commentate. This smoke purifies you and your intentions. It brings in positive energy while clearing away any lower negative energy, he said, still fanning each person with smoke. When he was done, he extinguished the sage and put the feather back. Now for a prayer to open up the ritual. Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, and all my guides, he said, standing in front of the fire, 
With his hands uplifted, inviting the energy of spirit to enter into him, I call on you now, great spirit, to enter into my heart. Please show us why you have called us here tonight. He breathed deeply, allowing the spirit energy to engulf him. Great ancestors and elders, please come to me. Show me what I need to do here in this place. He breathed deeply again and sat down in a cross-legged position in front of them. Amber, please begin with just a slow, steady rhythm. Amber picked up the drumstick and started to slowly drum, taking a deep breath and closing her eyes. She wasn't sure what to expect, but the slow rhythm of the drum made her relax into the playing. What do we need to know, great spirit? Edgar kept saying, almost like a chant now, as he waited for further details. What do we need to know? The rest of the group sat there motionless. Please, everyone, put your hands in your lap, palm up, and say a silent prayer to be shown that which spirit wants you to know tonight. You may hear something in your mind, or spirit may take you on a journey in your mind and show you something, he said, resuming his chant. Everyone put their hands as he is instructed and tried their best to keep eyes closed and focus on the task. Edgar continued to chant now, but in words that no one could understand. Moxie had her eyes closed and opened them for a moment to look around. Everything seemed dreamy and glistened in the firelight. Edgar spoke. There is one here among us who has a great task to do in the world. We are here to support her in her journey, he said in a sing-song voice. Moxie was feeling it too, a dreamy state that allowed her vision to focus in on something in the darkness. Amber continued to play the slow beat. We are here for her great spirit. Please show us what we must do, Edgar paused. He stood up from the seated position and walked slowly towards Moxie. Please stand up, girl, he said in front of her with his eyes still closed. She was abiding almost automatically as if she couldn't help herself from doing as he asked. Please focus your attention towards the heavens and receive the message, he said, holding his hand out and moving aside so Moxie could stand beside him. Please show her, great spirit. Why has she been brought to this place? Just then Moxie felt like she was being forced to her knees. She knelt down with her eyes fixed firmly towards the sky. A great and powerful smell of roses filled the air now, and she heard that same voice cry out to her. My child, it is I, the Divine Mother. I have a task for you, child. One that will spread the good word to many. One that will rise up and defeat the enemy. And one that will bring great great glory to God. Do you accept this task? No one could hear this message now except Moxie and Edgar. They bowed their heads reverently now as the others continued with their eyes closed, each listening in on their own private journey and being downloaded with messages of how they fit into this master plan. Moxie, still feeling in a trance, looked skyward, crying tears now as she continued to see the Divine Mother hold out her hand before her. Do you accept God's mission for you, my child? Moxie rose and reached her hand up and out towards the vision of the Divine Mother Mary. Yes, Mother Mary, I accept God's will for me, she said, sobbing. The vision of the mother placed a gentle and comforting hand on Moxie's head, and she felt all fear wash away from her. All will be revealed to you, my child. Each step you must take will be laid out before you when you need it. Just trust in his divine plan for you, Moxie, the Divine Mother said. And then she was gone. Edgar had received a download of divine information on how he was to support Moxie in her tasks, 
and this he knew. It wouldn't be easy or pleasant for a while, because there was much work to be done. He sank down onto the earth, bowing in reverence to those that had appeared before him. He took a deep breath and stood up. That will be all, Amber. You can stop drumming now. Moxie didn't know what to make of what was happening. Slowly, everyone started to open their eyes. All, please do not get up yet. I want to share with you what happened to me in this journey and hear any questions or information you received, Edgar said, sitting down cross-legged again in front of the fire. Luke and Billy, who were least experienced at this kind of thing, looked out in a somewhat dreamy state. It's okay, boys, Edgar said to them. You just need a minute for your body to catch up with what just happened. Sit quietly. We'll get some food into you soon. May I speak, Moxie said, still standing, but moving into a cross-legged position in front of Edgar. Yes, tell us, child, what is on your heart, he said, almost bowing to her now as she seemed to be glowing from the inside out. I have been touched tonight in a way that I cannot explain, she said with tears in her eyes. I have been given an assignment by God himself, and I have no earthly idea what I'm supposed to do next. Did anyone else see her? She said, referring to the vision of the Mother Mary. I journeyed with you, and I saw and heard everything, Edgar said, touching her hand. I've been brought here to support you, and that is what I know so far, he said, knowing that he really knew a little bit more, but it wasn't time to tell her yet. Luke looked over at Amber and saw her watching him. In his vision, he saw them both together under an old oak tree. Then he saw Amber in danger and him coming to her rescue. He couldn't shake the feeling he had felt when he saw it. Amber had seen something similar, but had also experienced an awakening of sorts during the ritual. She wouldn't tell anyone, but she had seen an angel who had come to her and told her that she needed to change her ways. The angel spoke to her and told her that everything that was going to happen with Moxie was also meant as a wake-up call for her. She was to support and comfort others around her while lessening the focus on herself. She had no idea how to do that. Pamela had seen a vision of Edgar holding out his hand to her with tears in his eyes. She had felt him literally envelop her, and she had seen God come to them both and wipe away everything that was causing a rift between them. Everyone had had a magical experience and was still processing the moment. Edgar rose and pulled out his sage again, smoking the entire area. There are dark forces at work here at Thunder Rose. They know the divine plan and have come to thwart it, he said, still saging the area and praying out loud in a deep, confident voice. Those powers will not win, but they will try to convert you in the process. They will try to make you come over to their side. Each and every one of you will be tested here in these next few weeks. You won't see it coming, but you will be able to overcome it. It is part of my duty to work with each of you so you can understand that which I am referring to, so I can arm you against the enemy, and so you can be successful in thwarting its advances. We will prevail, family, he said, looking at each one of them. We will prevail, he said, and after a long pause, that's it for now. Pamela stood and steadied herself for a moment. Let's eat, everyone. I'm sure you're starved. She moved over to Amber and hugged her lightly. You okay, hon? Yes, Mom, Amber said, still in a daze from the journey. I'm better than I've been in a long time. (laughs) 
Edgar stayed behind to finish up around the fire, saying a closing prayer and gathering up his things. Everyone else made their way up to the outside patio where Marguerite had laid out the food before she left. Silent in word, but moving about to fill their plates, they sat together at a long table with Pamela at the head. Edgar appeared and loaded up a plate and then went to sit at the other end of the table. Family, I lift you up in prayer in the most auspicious moment. May the great spirit hold us in his glory as we do his holy work, he said, lifting up his hands and bowing his head. Everyone followed by bowing their heads and really feeling his words. With eyes closed, they listened to his prayer. When he finished, they all opened their eyes. As Edgar's eyes focused in the night glow of the lamplights placed around the patio area, his attention fixed on something on the table. He looked more intently now as he reached out and touched it. He slowly picked it up and felt the ancient wood and ran his fingers along the cross on the lid. Just then thunder cracked and lightning glowed in the night sky. Looks like a storm's coming, Edgar said, setting the box down and picking up his fork. Eat up, everyone. We're going to need our strength. Chapter 11, Wooden Box As they continued to eat dinner amid hushed conversation, no one could take their eyes off the wooden box. Edgar had felt its power the moment he touched it, but had no idea where it came from or why. Moxie, you say the last time you opened this box and then you fainted, he asked her. Do you recall what was inside? There was nothing there, she said, only a bright, beautiful light, but it overwhelmed me and I couldn't breathe, and so I guess I passed out. Well, that is most unusual, he said. This box has a message for us, and I'm going to find out what it is tonight, he said confidently. The others heard him say this, but weren't really sure how he was going to do this. Luke and Billy were still a little dazed from the ritual, and the food was helping ground them back into reality. Pamela looked lovingly at Edgar from the other end of the table and knew that he could do whatever he put his mind to. Now if he could only apply that to her, she thought, then they could move forward as a couple. She wanted this and felt that he did too. Amber was looking at Luke out of the side of her eyes, uncomfortable after their last interaction in the stalls. She wasn't sure what to make of him, but she knew after the ritual that she could no longer lead people on and tell lies to get her own way. She was sorry she had tricked him and decided to apologize after dinner. Diego felt closer to Moxie than ever and wanted to help her through whatever this was that was happening to her. He wasn't sure how to help, but he knew that at least he could be there when she needed him. Moxie felt raw and empowered after the ritual. She had never seen anything so beautiful as the Divine Mother. Heck, she had never seen anything before. Now here she was seeing visions and being told she was going to be some sort of divine messenger. It was all so surreal, yet it could be real. These things have happened to people before. She recalled stories about her grandmother who had told her about Lourdes and the visions of Mother Mary. So this wasn't completely implausible. But why her was the question. Was she really worthy to be spreading the good news? She had more questions than answers at this point. So she decided to not think about it right now. The vision had told her she would know what to do when the timing was right and that she would have everything she needed in order to do this. So she really had no other choice but to wait and see. Plus, she was on vacation at a beautiful ranch. So she decided to make the most out of that experience. 
Everything here so far, from the horses to the house, the food and the company, were just what she needed, so she decided to soak it up and relax as best she could. Edgar, can I help you with that box? Amber asked, surprising even herself. Her dream vision had told her she was supposed to help, so she was trying as best she could. No, this is something I need to do alone, he said. I will go soon and work with it. We will know its true intentions after I open it and explore the energy further. There's no need to worry about me, he said. This box is not malevolent, only mysterious, he said, picking it up again and running his hand along the edge of the lid. You don't mean us any harm, do you, he said, holding it up and turning it over. The thing he didn't realize is that the box did mean to do something that hadn't been actualized yet. And when it did become active, it could be a very dangerous weapon against the dark forces that were closing in around Thunder Rose. The forces whose assignment it was to stop this message of good news and to thwart anyone who tried to break open the secrets that were yet to be told by the Divine Mother to all those that would be summoned here to Thunder Rose to hear them. The box needed to be here and needed to be opened at precisely the right time in order to be effective. But that all remained to be discovered in the bigger picture of what was happening. For now, it was just a simple box on the table, and that was how it would remain until the time was right. The meal ended and everyone sat around the table full and satisfied. Leave it to Marguerite to make an amazing dinner yet again. Too bad she hadn't been around to enjoy it. But Marguerite was safe at home with the container of the food she had made, safe in the realization that she didn't have to be at Thunder Rose at night. The happenings after dark could make anyone a believer in evil, she thought, as her mind went back to the first and last time she had entered the woods to take a basket of food to Luke and Billy. They had stayed late one night to help Pamela clear some trees that had fallen in the last storm. Pamela had wanted the firewood for the upcoming winter, and the trees were the, the trees were just there, already felled and waiting for the chainsaw. It was an easy job, and overtime pay with a bonus for the ranch hands, who didn't usually do this kind of work but needed the extra money. Marguerite had made up a basket of goodies for them when it looked like the job was going to take a little longer than they had thought. Rather than leaving it till the next day, they decided to finish so they could get paid and take the next day off. Marguerite had worked, walked down from the house with the basket, filled with all sorts of sma- snacks, small baked pies, and quiches for them to try. This was before her fear of the darkness there, and she had walked unassumingly into the entrance to the wood and over and around the trees in her path. The boys weren't far, and she could hear them in the distance with the chainsaw grinding and their boisterous conversation. She had stepped out from behind a large pine tree and had seen something behind a smaller tree. She thought it was one of the boys playing a trick on her, or maybe even Amber, who knew of her skittish nature, trying to be funny by hiding and then jumping out at her. It could be anything, she thought to herself, but she continued moving towards the sound of the boys. She really just wanted to deliver the basket so she could be on her way. As she got closer to the tree, she saw something shadowy move away from her and start off in the other direction. Hello, do I know you? She had said after the figure. She was getting a little nervous now as she watched the figure move from her. Um, hello, who are you? She said again, thinking maybe it was the boy from the other ranch over. But this was no boy, or Amber, or anything human. The figure, who she still couldn't make out in the dusky twilight, turned slowly to face her. 
Something inside of Marguerite shifted as she slowly set the basket down. Stop playing around, do you hear me? She said with her voice trembling slightly now. But the figure moved towards her and reached out to her. And then it happened. Its hand, or whatever it was, seemed to be grasping and reaching out. And then the thing, which is what she was calling it in her mind now, dropped its hand and reached up to remove what appeared to be a hood. Marguerite dropped to her knees and called on God to help her, and then she heard it and felt it ripple through her body. As she knelt with her hands over her eyes, a blood-curdling scream followed by a low growl. She parted her fingers to look through her hands, but she was trembling so much she thought she was going to faint. The scream stopped, and the thing turned back to look at her now. There was nothing under the hood, no face, only eyes sinister and dark as coal. The thing moved swiftly now up and through the trees, and then it was gone. Marguerite screamed and fainted next to the picnic basket. When she came to, Luke and Billy were standing over her, and she was laying inside the house. The memory of the thing and the scream, too much for her mind to comprehend, had settled itself somewhere in her psyche where they didn't have to be recalled. The only thing she remembered was the figure and the eyes and a great overwhelming need to keep as far away from the wood as possible. So that is what she had done. She never went near the wood again and she never ever stayed at the ranch after dark. As the evening wound to a close, Edgar stood from the table and picked up the wooden box. He turned it around in his hands and then placed it in his medicine bag. Friends, it's been a long day. I'm going to turn in now. You should sleep very peacefully tonight after the ritual. He walked over to Pamela and kissed her cheek and then walked out towards the path that led to the pasture and his camp. Amber followed, not sure why, but she wanted to offer her assistance in some way. Edgar turned and motioned her back to the house. I've got this little eagle, he said, not sure where that name had come from, but it seemed to fit her at the moment. Go home now and get some rest. Okay, Edgar, Amber said, somewhat relieved that she didn't have to do anything. She turned and started back up the path and bumped right into Luke. Amber, can I speak to you, he said in his Texas drawl. She liked it when he spoke to her like that, like she was a lady that demanded respect. Well, sure, she said, still embarrassed from the earlier incident. I wanted to talk to you, too. They walked behind the stables and under the moonlit sky. They stood to face each other. Luke spoke first. Look, I didn't really like what happened earlier. If you like me, that's one thing, but don't ever use me to get to someone else. I won't stand for that. Is that what you're doing, Amber? He said, looking her square in the eye. She stammered a little, not quite knowing what she had been doing. Luke, I'm sorry. I wasn't thinking. I was just reacting in the moment. I, I thought I liked Diego, and I was trying to make him jealous, but, but our kiss, it really meant something to me. I, I felt something I've never felt before. Can you forgive me for being selfish? Well, that's more like it, ma'am, he said, touching his hat, and then removing it, realizing it wasn't mannerly to be wearing a hat in front of a lady. It was something his grandfather had always taught him, to be courteous and kind to others, but especially to be gallant with a lady. They moved closer to each other now. So you felt something when we kissed, he asked expectantly. Oh, yeah, like my knees were going to give out underneath me, she said as he moved even closer to her. You mean like this? He reached around her waist with one hand and pulled her into him. His lips bore down onto hers with a passion he hadn't expected. 
Amber, wanting to step back at first, leaned into him at the touch of his mouth on hers, and then her arms encircled him, and she was lost in his embrace. When the passion subsided, she drew away slowly, savoring the taste of him in her mouth. Yeah, like that, she said, laughing as she turned and ran off towards the house. Luke could only stand there in complete wonder of her, and he knew at that moment that he was falling for her. So there was nothing else for him to do but go back towards the stables and get the horses ready to bed down for the night. He thought about chasing after her, but decided against it, knowing that if Pamela saw them together, it might not bode well for him. He was a ranch hand to her and nothing more. He liked Amber, but that didn't mean that Pamela would like or even condone Amber being with him. Not like that, anyway. So he was content with the way it was for now, and he would have to figure out a way to get closer to them both. As Amber headed back to the main house, she glanced back to the pasture and the campsite and could see that Edgar had started a large fire in the main area. What was he going to do with that box, she wondered, and as her curiosity got the better of her, she decided to wander over and see. She didn't want Edgar to see her, so she moved quietly. What she didn't know was that Edgar was an excellent tracker and scout, and he could sense an eagle or a young girl from a mile away. He knew full well when he was being watched, but this was not the time to call her out. Let her see, he figured, and if she wasn't frightened away after what she saw, then she could stay next time and help him out. Heck, he needed an apprentice anyway. He knew that he was getting older and that he wouldn't be here forever, and he needed to pass on any knowledge he had to someone, and it was just what might be needed this winter at the ranch. Someone who knew the land, but hadn't quite been brought into the fold, so to speak. So let her watch him, and if this box was something other than what he thought, then she might need to run and get out of there very quickly. He sat there and turned the box over and over in his hand, feeling the rough wood on the outside and touching the cross with his finger, rubbing his hand along the sides and top of it. The fire licking up into the night sky made him feel warm and safe in its glow. He pulled out his knife and steadied himself in preparation for prying off the lid. He got the feeling that this box didn't want to be opened, but he must know what type of energy was inside of it and where it was coming from. He figured the box was a portal to or from somewhere, and he wanted to make sure that this portal was only allowing in the most divine of energies and not some malevolent force. He slowly moved the edge of the knife along the edges of the lid, and then he stopped. He could feel a pulsing coming from inside of it, and he knew that if he opened it, he might not be able to stop whatever was inside from coming out. He could feel its power coming through the small cracks in the opening where he had pried it open. Then he felt the energy inside surge, and the lid flew off and onto the ground across from the fire, and he felt a huge jolt go up his arm where he was holding it, and this caused him to drop into the ground. He stared up at the sky and called in all the protection he could think of, asking God to hold him at that moment. From her vantage point behind some small bushes, Amber was thrown back by the force of this energy, and she gasped as she hit the ground. She let out a large shriek, loud shriek, and then she fell silent as she watched what happened next. She couldn't believe her eyes. She saw a bright light, and then she saw it. This thing inside had no form, only light, so bright and intense that you had to shield your eyes to keep from being blinded by it. But strong as it was, this light didn't hurt or even make her feel as if she was going to lose her mind like she was afraid of. Instead, it made her feel warm and loved inside, and she basked in an energy so deep and intrinsic to her being that she started to cry. 
and Edgar felt it too, the energy of complete and total love. And this, he thought, is what would save all of them from the dark force inside the wood. He would have to be very discreet with it and hide it until the time was right because of its power. He felt he needed to hold it and not let go of it, and in his focusing on the energy emanating from it, something inside him shifted. He saw himself and all his rights and wrongs. He felt a deep knowing that he should no longer be afraid of anything, let alone love. He needed to open his heart, and he needed to allow, allow all of it, the love, the fear, the longing, the distrust, let it all in, and then let it all out, just like breathing. He needed to let his love guide all his actions, and that included no longer pushing Pamela away. He needed to let her into his heart, and this feeling was so strong that he felt like he needed to get up and run to her right now, sweep her off her feet, and declare his love for her. But he composed himself first, got up and retrieved the lid, and moved over to the box and placed it back on, tamping it down to ensure it was securely on. Then he stood over it and let out a long wail. It was as if all the grief in his heart poured out into the night air. And such was the immensity of his pain and old untended grief that the energy of it filled the night sky. And Amber could feel it move over her like the saddest feeling she had ever felt in her life, but even more than that. And she started to cry at the touch of it, and she lay her head down on her hands and wept for him and all his loss. And in doing so, her heart opened even further, and she decided then that never again would she allow herself to hold in her feelings. She would feel all of them at the moment, all the joy and sorrow and sadness. And then she knew what she must do. She must make it right with her mother. She loved her so much, she must make sure that she told her. So she got up, brushed off the dust, and wiping the tears from her eyes, she headed up towards the main house. Edgar could feel the grief cloud being dispersed into the night air, and he knew that this ranch had been holding him and caring for him ever since the first time he had stepped foot on it, and he knew that this meeting with Pamela so long ago had been no chance encounter. They were meant to meet and meant to love each other. He also must go to her and say all the things he had stored up over so many years of pain and denial. He stood strongly now, completely in his power, but forever changed in his heart. And that was what was happening here. The power of the ranch and the box and the visions were going to change everyone it touched. And those changes were going to emanate out to all and somehow change the world. All right here, very soon now, it would all fall into place and Thunder Rose Ranch would never be the same again. So that is where we're going to leave this, folks. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you all again soon for the next chapters. Take care.